The only way of doing that is to create processes that free you up to be able to focus on the creativity at the right time. And ultimately, and ideally, is that you want to be able to delegate the things that aren't so creative that that maybe inhibit your creativity. The Creative Trust is a podcast about the creative process. Amanda Henderson founded Gloss Creative in 2001 and has been making fabulous happen ever since. Gloss Creative and its alumni have mastered the art of creative renewal. Listen as Amanda sits down to explore some of the world's best creative minds. These are their insights and this is their legacy. Welcome to the Creative Trust. I'm sitting with Andrew Mitchell from Mr. Mitchell Interior Design and the Design Coach for Australia. I met Andrew about three or four years ago when he asked me if I would join his community to do a masterclass, which I absolutely adored. And we did it sort of through a little pocket in COVID in the beginning of 2021, which was amazing. Andrew joined me and Francesca Pavone from Dan Event for an incredible podcast in season one. 2021 seems like a lifetime ago and I do view myself as a lifelong learner. So at the end of 21-22, I reached out to Andrew um, because I wanted him to help me rethink about my work and find out why so many parts of my work made me feel burned out. So we started to work together in 2022 and it wasn't all easy. But I have to say through this process of coaching with Andrew, I began to see coaching as a catalyst, I guess, as part of creative renewal, which I'm crazy for, as everyone knows. So I found it to be an incredible, valuable toolkit to help shape positive skills um, for the future. And now I'm obsessed with coaching. So I thought it would be amazing for the listeners to understand more about the process of coaching. So welcome, Andrew. It's so incredible to have you back on the Creative Trust. Thank you. Thank you, Amanda. It's so good to be here. And it was beautiful listening back to the experience of everything we've done since we met. And that master class was one of the standouts of the whole masterclass series that we had with all sorts of different designers from across Australia and the experience of going into big plans. I still, it blew my mind. What you brought on that day was everything that I would expect from Gloss Creative and you. It was phenomenal. Just to explain to people that venue, it was an enormous projection scape, I guess you'd call it, and big plans. It's where architects take their clients with their plans, um, project them onto a floor at full scale so people can walk through and see how big the spaces are, what they feel like, if the bed actually fits in the room. So we just used it for a different purpose, which was to project all of our work and our ideals to explain to all of the participants how, you know, what we do and how we do it. And you're right, it was such a fun day being with your community and everyone asking questions. It was a really great fun. So back on to coaching, I guess we'll start at the beginning in terms of getting people to understand like what you think coaching actually is, I guess. What is it and why should people consider doing it? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think for me, coaching, the analogy really is across to maybe sports where people would understand that that's something that is just fully accepted and expected within the sort of sporting industry. But we, when it comes to business, I think we're expected to, well, a lot of us feel that we're expected to know how to run a business without any formal training, uh, especially in the, the fields where I specialize, which is more design industry, interior designers, architects, and obviously offshoot industries like yourself. And I think that even if you've gone through formal training, there is no education around the nitty gritty of how to run a business. So coaching from my perspective is really working with people less about sort of formal programs of education and more about working with the individual 
challenges that you're facing within your business, working out a bit of a strategy to overcome those things. And some of it, as you touched on in the intro, not all of it's easy. And that, again, using the analogy of coaching with uh, sport, you know, there's a little bit of pain that needs to be exerted in order to achieve the results that you want. So a good coach will work with you to dig up the sort of things, the challenges that you're facing, have a look at what it is that might be stopping you in those areas and come up with a bit of a plan to address those challenges. And that can be done in a number of different ways. So everyone that I work with has a different approach. Some people want to be really structured with the planning of how that coaching rolls out. Some people want to just take it on a session by session basis. Ask me questions. Some people want almost like a a managerial sort of support in their role, especially people who are new to business. And some people want to deep dive into specific areas, whether it's the finance or the marketing or developing new avenues for finding ideal clients. So everyone's different and it makes it really exciting. So is that part of your philosophy? So if I was to ask you, what's your personal sort of coaching philosophy, maybe coaching style, mm-hmm. what what is your philosophy around coaching? So I think, and it's been a learning journey for me since I started yeah. coaching in 2018, always coming, I mean, the foundation of what I do at the design coach is very much, I mean, the values that I have are around sharing and kindness and empathy and community. So yes, to all of that. Amazing. (laughs) And I think coming from a place of deep listening is the most important thing. So it's not about me and I do run programs where I teach people about business foundations and I've got online courses, but coaching is much more about listening to the individual. And it's not just about listening to the things that they're telling you that they're having challenges with. It's about the underlying things as well. I'm not a psychologist. I certainly don't claim to be able to help people with issues on a deeper psychological level, but I am very much aware of some of the behavioral challenges that people face. We all face them. We all have things that get in our way. Sometimes we're our own worst enemies and there's sometimes things that we're not aware of. So part of my coaching approach is to very kindly make people aware of those limitations and provide them with tools and tactics and techniques to be able to overcome them. It sounds like your philosophy comes very much from you. Is there something, an experience that you've had in the past that has led you to this way of coaching? Is, is that something you've experienced from a mentor or, mm. you know, the way that you've had coaching? Is there something there that has helped you to become where you are? Yeah, 100%. I've had coaches in the past and I think my coaching style has definitely morphed from some of the really amazing things that I've experienced with coaching and some of the things that were challenging or that I didn't really appreciate and I I want to offer something that's different to what that was. So an example of that would be one of the high-level coaches that I worked with in the very early stages of setting up the design coach and I've I've got an entrepreneurial mindset so I'm always thinking of different businesses. Mm. So even before the design coach, I was working on business ideas and this, uh, high level um, coach is based in the U S and one of the things that she does with her coaching style is to, she's very direct and she really pulls you up on figures and gets you to focus on the financial side of things, which is amazing, but it's very confronting. And we'll probably touch on some of that a little bit later on. But uh, one of the things that didn't work for me was that she didn't provide any sort of written summary or notes on the session. So I would be midway through the session madly scribbling notes and not really focusing on what I was talking about and what I was 
experiencing in the coaching session, the things that I was thinking about. So one of the things that I like to do with my coaching is to provide people with a written summary. So I'm the one taking the notes. So you as the coaching client can just be fully immersed in the session, really be feeling the things that you're feeling, thinking the things that you're thinking. And I provide the summary afterwards. So, And that yeah. was something I found was amazing and that I could just, when we work together, I could just do my thing, just talk about the things that I wanted to. And, you know, we were talking, but when you talked about deep listening, when I'd receive an email back with everything that I'd said and also sort of what I'd thought as well, you know, that reflection was so powerful in the sense of, oh, yeah, that's that's a snapshot of what I was thinking on the day. And I've found those notes incredibly valuable and to go back and retrace that. Mm. So uh, I think that, like you said, you must be really listening <laughs> to get those notes happening in yeah. the background as well. And I think that the place that I come from is not believing that I've got all the answers, but it's, I've been in the industry while well, I've been practicing interior design and running my own business for 23 years. So as I like to share with people, I've made every mistake under the book <laughs> and, I, we all have, yes. and I continue to make mistakes, but they're on a much smaller level. And some of those mistakes that I made in the early stages really did have very negative impacts financially, emotionally on my personal life balance and so forth. So the things that I'm really passionate about now are really getting people to get excited about the financial side of their business because I wasn't in the early stages and it had pretty dire consequences on my, my business, but also to not just focus on business, business, business and financial outcomes because we need to look after ourselves. And if we don't look after ourselves emotionally, physically, and psychologically, then our business will suffer in the long term. So really being able to understand when people are pushing themselves too hard and encourage them to seek ways to get more balance in their life is a big thing. It's a big thing that I'm it's, a proponent for. It's a huge thing, isn't it? I think it's one of the biggest things that people struggle with that sort of drive to work hard and do, you know, become amazing at whatever you're doing. And by the way, also, you know, look after yourself as well. And I think that's a story. I mean, that's why there's so many, you know, self-help books out there now, you know, and different podcasts on that work-life balance. And I think, you know, you were in the first podcast, you were, you know, these two things are not mutually exclusive. And I always remembered that in terms of you do have to have your other life, your actual life, give that the time and what it needs because it does affect your work and work does affect your life. So I think, you know, props to all those people who can get that balance in their life. And I want to be clear that I'm not suggesting, especially I think about the many of my coaching clients who are incredible women who have got young families mm. and they're working full time and they're sort of trying to manage a family and they've got all sorts, everyone's got things going on personally outside of work. So I'm not suggesting that you have to have that balance perfect all the time because that's just additional pressure on people who already feel huge amounts of pressure. What I'm encouraging people to do is to listen to the signs, to listen to when you feel and I know that you're passionate about making sure that people focus on not burning out. Mm. And that's what we talked about in that last podcast was professional burnout. And it's about being aware of the signs. So your body will show signs. You'll show signs emotionally and, and energetically when you're pushing yourself too hard on the professional front. And that's okay to do it in short bursts, but it's not sustainable long-term. So you've got to be able to be aware of when those um, boundaries are being pushed too hard and put a little bit of balance back into it. Because it was interesting at the end of 2019, before COVID, 
I decided that I would take a year off. As it turns out, it happened to be the COVID year. (laughs) But I kind of was burnt out in the sense of, you know, as the projects were rolling in, I wasn't that excited about some of them. I knew they were amazing, but, you know, we always used to talk about that feeling that it was just another mountain to climb a bit. So I do think it's really uh, helpful for designers to know when that's happening to you because you just tend to keep going and, yeah, forward. So I think the coaching piece is the piece where you can, you know, you've got all those thoughts going around in your head but it's a way of articulating to someone else who has some skill to talk about those things and what they might mean to Mm. people. You know, are you burnt out or is this normal? What happens to Mm -hmm. everyone else? To get a bit of context Mm -hmm. about, well, do you think you are? You know, so I found that that reflection back to me was very powerful in terms of working out, yeah, I I do need to take a year off, you know, Mm. and which was great. Um, I mean, everyone got the year off or some people did, but in our industry, a lot of people were forced to take the time off. So I actually found that time very valuable. And I think it was a great time to do coaching as well. And also one of the things that I was so impressed about when you came to me for coaching was that you weren't just looking at business coaching. You actually had somebody who was helping you with nutrition. You had somebody who was helping you with like a a PT, like movement. So you're approaching it from multiple levels. And I think that that's, it shouldn't be just in periods where you're feeling burnout. It's like, I think it's incredible to be able to do that always. So I think one of the things that I'm a big proponent for is that we seek help and we seek support and we seek coaching from different parts of our life. I agree because I feel it took me a long time to get onto coaching to reach out for help. I was, you mentioned in the beginning, people, you think you have to be able to do it all by yourself. And once you get to a point where you realize, actually, I can ask for help. It's an amazing thing. And I think it, it does wonders. And you, you don't, you don't need that much of it to have an incredible impact in terms of the investment that you make in coaching pays off. And it's, it's all things that you've got for the rest of your life. It's not just for now. It's a skill base that you can pull from anytime you need it. It's just sitting there in the background for you. Yeah. And I think coming back to your original question about what is coaching is a good coach isn't just about the work that you do in the session with the coach, because that's one hour. A good coach will give you tools and techniques and philosophies that you can take forward, like you've just sort of referred to, beyond the coaching sessions and in between the coaching sessions. So a good PT, when you work with a PT, will give you the techniques to be able to do the exercises on your own outside of the PT sessions. So, yeah, I mean, there's something amazing about having the accountability of regular coaching, whether it's physical coaching or mindset coaching or business coaching. That's one of the advantages to setting regular coaching. But I think that a really good coach will give you the the, the tools and, and understanding and education about how to go about things on your own. So... How do people find the right coach? We now know what we want. How do you find that? What are the questions that you ask to find Mm -hmm. the right coach? Well, I can only speak from my personal experience looking for coaches and also my personal experience when people come to me looking for me as a coach. I'll talk about my personal experiences and I would definitely firstly start with what is what is the the challenge that you're facing? So if it's a business challenge, then they're finding the right business coach for you. So there's different sorts. I've worked with, as I talked about, a high level financial coach who was very much about entrepreneurship and was very much grilled me about all of my sometimes crazy business ideas. And some of them never even got to see the light of day because the work that I did with her 
really helped me see that they weren't great ideas. And then I've also worked with a finance coach. So somebody who is specifically looking at the figures. Now, I like to look at myself as a business coach, but I'm not an expert in finance. So if you're really wanting to drill down into the finances of your business, you probably want to go and look for somebody who is in the accounting. Yeah. And has all of the skills and attributes, but then there might be something that's more on a behavioral level that you want to work on. So I've got within my team now, I'm really proud to say one of my coaches is a developmental coach. So Louise came on board this year and she comes from NLP training. So she's got lots of practice with working with people at executive level to help retrain them in different sort of behavioral modalities and is really, really clever. I've worked with her personally. So that's a different type of coaching. So being clear on what you need first, and then I would definitely go to people that you know and trust to get referrals. Referrals mean everything. They do, don't they? Yeah. It's, you know, when they say the network, it's, you know, network is a term that's bandied around, but it actually is a thing. It's so important, the connections and the relationships that you have to be able to help find what you need. Yeah. And I think it doesn't matter what industry, a referral carries so much weight. The second side of that was when people come to me wanting coaching, I've got a bit of a screening process because I can't coach everyone in, it's not going to be a good fit for every single person. So I do have questions that I ask to, to people who are, you know, what are you hoping to achieve? What have you done in the past to, to get on top of these challenges And what are the outcomes that you're looking for and making sure that we're a good fit. So part of the onboarding process is definitely to have a conversation first. And we offer free discovery calls to anyone who's interested because they need to like me and feel my coaching style might not be perfect for, it won't be perfect for everyone. And to, yeah, just make sure that we're a good fit. And I do feel like when you were young at school, the teachers that you loved, you excel in that subject. And I think with relationships with people, if there's a spark or there's the, you know, the right chemistry or the right energy and and understanding, you know, that they've got different skills, that's what you're after. You're after someone who can use their skills to help you and both of you realise that it's it's a good level of energy mm. and then I think that's the way to go with coaches yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, you can feel it. Yeah, It is a bit of a gut feel thing as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But I think what you want to be looking for some is somebody who does listen. Empathy is a huge quality that coaches should have because every single client that they're going to work with is experiencing different things. So if you can't get into the mindset and the experience of the person that you're coaching, you're not likely to be able to have that good connection that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I think Fiona Kalaki, who is one of my colleagues, she's actually been a coach of mine before. So Fiona has a business called My Daily Business that most of your viewers are probably aware of. Um, She's an absolute gun. She does business coaching. She's very focused on marketing side of things. She's from a a marketing background. She's helped me a lot with marketing. And one of the things that she's talked about in her podcast previously is that, you know, you really want to have that ability to have good, strong empathy if you're going to be a business coach, because you really have to be able to understand where people are coming from and not inflict all of your own ideals and your own experience onto that person. You need to be listening very carefully. A lot of resistance comes up. Like when we worked together, I was like, yeah, I've got the, you know, the plan in my head. I know how it goes. I've had amazing intentions and it's been really great for the first 20 years. But now, you know, at that time I was like, okay, I'm open to something new. Mm. But it took a while for me to actually accept the physicality of what it was I needed to do for forecasting Hmm. or that sort of thing. How do you meet people with resistance? Well, first 
and foremost, again, it's coming back to that empathy thing is, is understanding and look, being the person who really didn't focus on the business when I first set up my own business 23 years ago, I understand what it's like to resist mm. all of those things. And probably the empathy comes in to understand why would you resist? Like, why would you resist wanting to, forecasting is something that's really challenging to get your head around for anyone who hasn't been trained in business or mm. hasn't previously done that, where you are putting, um, you're making estimations for the future that if you are very results driven, it's terrifying to think that you're forecasting figures into the future that might not happen. And if you've got behavioral conditioning that means that if you don't achieve those results, mm. you are a fa failure, then you're going to resist that really mm. strongly. And that's a lot of us in the creative industry. We've, we're very focused on making sure that we achieve results, especially for our clients. So things like that, it's really important from my perspective to understand why people might be resisting and also again, to understand I've been in that situation before. Mm. So with my financial coach, a lot of, uh, a lot of triggers that come up when, especially when you're talking about formal reports like profit and loss mm. and balance sheets mm -hmm. and all of those sort of things that I've not been formally trained in, it triggers things for me personally that make me feel stupid from, you know, my my days at school. And so the resistance comes from that. So I always like to come from a perspective of gentle perseverance and mm. I don't back down. Like if I think that something, and it's not just about the finances in a business, it's about sometimes about adopting new processes or just any sort of new business approach that really doesn't feel comfortable for someone part of a, a good coach's responsibility is to identify that and then gently persevere with the suggestion that that should be introduced by the coaching client and then understanding along the way that that might be a bit of a challenge. So I've been on both sides mm, of that. You see the whole picture. Yeah. Yeah. And I am a believer sometimes things are harder in your head than they are in reality. And I think, you know, part of the success of learning new things is knowing that when you've learned things previously. So I do feel with a lot of the background systems for creatives are as simple as making a time to do things, whether it's with an accountant or a bookkeeper, to take care of the back of house. And mm. The success that I had for the first 20 years was that we had a bookkeeper present in our business every single, you know, week or fortnight for 20 years. So yeah. I had seen by the simple act of giving it time and attention mm -hmm. that it works. Yeah. So when you started to talk about forecasting, you know, for the next year, in a year where you're coming out of COVID, like, wow, okay, was sort of scary. But I did know from previous experience that if you commit something to paper, you're more likely to make it happen just by the simple act of doing that and reviewing it. Well, you're also setting, in doing that, you're setting targets for yourself and you're giving yourself a clear path to set some actions into place to head towards that. And when we're operating from a place where we're afraid to put those figures down on paper, then we're heading into a future of less structure and less direction. And sometimes structure can bring freedom yes. because it's down on paper and you don't have to keep it in your head. 100%. So I guess my next question is actually about systems for creatives. Hmm. So one of the, this is something we were talking about actually in one of our podcasts recently, it's come up a few times over the seasons and the myth that creative people can't do business. So I'm really interested in your opinion of how systems can help creatives. What can they provide? 
This is my thing. This is my. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing you this love. Is, Let's is, hear it. We want this it all. Is, this is what it's all about. And look, I'm a creative. I'm I'm a little bit blessed with the fact that I'm a little bit left and right brain. So I did maths and science at school. So I'm creative, but I also love the technical side of things. I feel like your nerd moment's coming on. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to embrace my nerd moment. And look, anyone who's done any of my coaching and any of my programs knows that I'm a big stickler for process. And it's not because I want to force people into a something that feels uncomfortable or feels unnatural to them. Process is will come naturally for people regardless. And when, when I start working with people to refine their processes, I always find that they are actually, and they're surprised to find that they are working to a process. Um, the power comes in documenting, reviewing and refining the process and finding where the gaps are. So the analysis, the ongoing analysis of what's working, what do I want to keep doing more of, what do I want to stop doing because it's not working and what do I want to change? So I think one of the things that I love to work with designers to do and why I think process is so important is that a well-refined, well-designed process will give you more creative freedom as you inferred before. Mm. We all want to be able to do the fun part of our job, which is the, the concept creation the facilitation, the specification of all of the beautiful things that come to put together an amazing scheme. I'm talking specifically with design and architecture industries, but can go across all sorts of different creative industries. And the only way of being really being able to do that, if you are, especially if you are the one person in the business, you're doing everything. You're doing the marketing, you're doing the administration, you're doing the finances. You're the CEO. You're the CEO <laughs> wearing officer. so many different hats. Mm. The only way of doing that is to create processes that free you up to be able to focus on the creativity at the right time. And ultimately, and ideally, as you've been able to do within your business and many of the clients that I coach can do is that you want to be able to delegate the things that aren't so creative that, that maybe inhibit your creativity. So having to focus on the finances and the forecasting and the, you know, the, the bookkeeping and submission of your BAS on a month, a, a, a quarterly basis. If you can outsource that to somebody else, it's going to release you of that to be able to focus on the creativity. And the only way of being able to delegate that is to have sound processes. When we were doing our coaching sessions, we were actually on the phone and I was like, how come we're not on Zoom? You know, was my first reaction. And then once I understood that you were actually taking notes on what we were doing and that if I'd seen you visually, it may have been a distraction and really interested to hear, do you like doing things online or in person or is it a combination? Tell me about how you like to coach. So, yeah, when I first set up the business in 2018, it was face-to-face. -face. So mm. that's, you know, how far things have come. And now I coach designers in New Zealand, Singapore, all around Australia. So Look, I think technology is a, a wonderful tool and especially during those lockdown periods where we couldn't be face-to-face -face with people, Zoom created that sort of extra level of connection so we can read each other's, you know, physical cues and, yeah. and that's, and that's really other. powerful yeah. as well. But, yeah, my own personal preferred way of being able to operate is exactly what you sort of mentioned. So phone calls where you could be anywhere, you could be lying on your couch, you could be out by the pool, you could be wherever you would like to be. Mm. Um, one of the things that I love about coaching too is that I can be personally anywhere. So I love travel and I have on specific trips been able to continue coaching with people. And of course, Zoom can be an opportunity to be able to do that. So 
Look, I, I actually really like being face-to-face with people. There's nothing better than being in people's mm. energy mm. and being able to see people face-to-face the way that we are today. Mm. But I've been able to reach so many more people by being, you know, distant. So phone calls, I'm also open to doing Zoom. But as I said to you, my focus is very much on taking notes and during listening. the session yeah. and listening and the visual element is probably a distraction from the listening. So, hmm. but I do with my clients, if they request, they want to share documents and we're looking at something specific. If hmm. we're running through a financial forecast or we're running through a business plan that they put together, hmm. we'll definitely organize a Zoom. So hmm. open to everything. I also probably moving into 2024, I would love to do some more face-to-face. Mm. I think there's just so much. People love it. It's it's so valuable, isn't it? And that, I guess that's one of the reasons why we're a face-to-face podcast too because mm. you can feel the energy in the room and it's, it's always a great conversation. Yeah. And everyone's so present with it. It's wonderful. Yeah. What I'd like to know now is about the design coach, I noticed it's such a layered community. There's not only the coaching, there's education, there's social and community, and then there's travel as well. You are, as you just mentioned before, you are a great traveler and many creatives are. Hmm. So talk to me about the different parts of how you've built up the community around the design coach because it's enviable. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. I think if I look at it from where the business emerged and and what I set out to do, if I look at sort of my own coaching that I had back years ago and I like to do vision boards. So I I think back Mm -hmm. to sort of six, seven years ago, way before the design coach was established and the things that I'm passionate about, food, wine, travel, community connection. I had all of those on a vision board. I can still remember that vision board. And that's so, it's actually really geeky. I had it um, laminated. (laughs) Anything worth its salt gets laminated, let's face it. Well, it's, it's no coincidence that the business morphed into that because I made it a priority. So I think that you know, the, the idea and the values that we have at the design coach, as I touched on before, kindness, sharing, empathy, connection, connection is a huge one. So I know from personal experience, when I started my business 23 years ago, for quite a few years, I was sole operator, just working on my own with no team, no support network, not really tapping into the community because I I felt a bit like an imposter. That's a whole different conversation Conversation. (laughs) altogether. Um, But yeah, just realizing how important and, and having said that, what has emerged for me within my interior design practice is that the biggest thing that I strive for with working in the industry is relationships. And I love this with design coach as well. So what I wanted to do was create a platform and we launched this year, our social club, Mm. which is completely free to members. It's not a revenue generating thing. We don't promote any events. We don't, it's not a promotional tool for us. It's completely about giving back to the community because we know that it's so important for people to be able to connect. And we hear it, I hear it time and time again, that people need avenues and channels to be able to connect with like-minded designers. So mm. that's on that front. The travel is just, it's almost a personal indulgence really because I love travel so much. But I think it's, and I I've think heard. it's essential. <laughs> yeah. And I've heard you talk about on uh, two um, guests on, yeah. on podcasts before about how travel is part of that regeneration. Totally. And it's also a source of creative inspiration. So I love the idea of making that available to our members to travel, whether it's domestically in Australia through our retreats or to New Zealand, which we're doing 
next month in October or internationally. So we took a group to Milan this year in April, which was phenomenal. And New Zealand, I'm interested that you have a connection with New Zealand. Is that just a preferred thing or? I ran uh, five retreats in Byron Bay, um, which is just, I've got a, it's a, you know, beautiful place that I've got a very strong connection with and just felt like there was a, a change needed. So the retreats have got a bit of a focus on wellness and well-being. And so the experiences that you have. In so New Zealand's perfect. New Zealand, really, isn't it? Queenstown, mm. 100%. So mm, really excited about taking, we've, there's a group of about 20 of us Incredible. going over. Yeah. Wow. Bags are packed, I'm sure. Yes. Talk to me about social media. What does it mean to you and how do you use it? Like many people, love, hate <laughs> with social media. Um, but I come back to actually the wise words of my colleague and coach and a workshop contributor, Fiona Kalaki from My Daily Business. Fiona is really big on encouraging people to not see social media as marketing. They do not equate as social media equals marketing. I feel that it's a necessary component of a broader marketing strategy, but it should not just equate to everything to do with marketing. And I've noticed that, like I mm. noticed you're active on Instagram, but you're also active on your website as mm. well. And you send newsletters as well. Newsletters, but also a big thing. And a big thing for me this year is getting out and talking to people face to face. Like that is the best form of marketing. So definitely, um, it's you know, an opportunity for people to see you in the flesh, make sure that you don't have two heads. Um, <laughs> and also to, to give people a genuine sense. It, it's encouraging that community connection as well. So mm. in the last three months, I've traveled so much. I've traveled up to Brisbane. I've been up to Sydney. I've spoken in front of groups in Melbourne. I've also flown across to Auckland to, you know, sort of build our network there and sort of I love the the New Zealand design community. They're very aligned with the Australian design community. Mm. So um, doing things, you know, speaking events and sort of being able to reach out. So I do, I've also, this year I was invited by the wonderful company Programmer, a software program that helps project management for designers and architects. So I've been writing on their blog for the last six to seven months. Um, so just, you know, finding ways to connect with your audience that isn't just about posting on Amazing. Instagram. That's so good. It's just that breadth, as you say, and in different platforms of making the connections yeah. um, and talking to people. Tell me what you think the elephant in the room is in your coaching industry. Is there a thing that people just don't talk about that we should? Yeah, I think that in the coaching industry, for me personally, it's very difficult. Like, so the nice thing is that in this space, since I started the design coach in Australia five years ago, five, almost six years ago, that there's lots of coaches in the space now, and that's wonderful. So there's ways that people can find the right sort of person, the right sort of fit. For them personally, I think that there should be some sort of standards across the industry that we're really pushing for. So the way that people charge, um, the margins that people put onto product, they're the things that we like to sort of encourage open conversation about. I think that one of the elephants in the room that I personally have addressed through my business is transparency. I think that in the interior design fields that there has been traditionally a lot of secrecy around those things that I've touched on. So around the way that people charge, the way that people calculate the margins on product. And it's something that people have held very close to their heart and very, you know, held their cards close to their chest for a very long time. And I'm really trying to break down those walls and get open those conversations about it. So people feel comfortable about sharing um, because when we share with each other about what our methodologies are, we can learn from each other. 
We can also, in a lot of cases, people can feel confident about the way that they're charging and feel mm. that it's aligned with the way that the, the industry, industry works. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, it's still something that, especially in certain cities around Australia, it's not really taboo. It, it, it's a bit taboo to talk about these sort of mm, things I openly. Love that. So I think Pandora's box. Yeah. Mm. And it's it's something that we all benefit when when those sort of inhibitions are dropped. And I do feel as you start to talk about things, different elephants in different industries, like the elephant in our industry is pit free pitching. Yeah. And I found a way eventually to make that work for me. And now I'm sharing it. So you tend to, people then come to ask you about it and it's, it's really valuable and a good thing to share. It makes me feel really good that I've been able to help other people who have the same, had the same questions, yeah. but I've done a little of the pre-work. So hopefully they can benefit from that experience that I've had. So yeah. that feels very rewarding. And I think what you're doing through the podcast is giving back. I mean, and so there's a big part of the reason that I went into coaching because I want to give back. I didn't realize at the very beginning when it was just one-on-one -on -one coaching face-to-face -face with people, how much I actually knowledge I've actually gained and experience I've gained over 20, well, it's more than 23 years of running my business. It's more like 25, 26 years in the industry that I would love to share with people. So the good, the bad, the ugly. And I think that we all benefit when we're doing that. Totally. What coaches inspire you? So I've mentioned a few times Fiona Kalaki. I think Fiona is somebody who comes from a really genuine, authentic place. Again, like I said, of wanting to help people. She's somebody who I feel a real affinity with as far as her coaching style. She's very kind. She's very, she's a good listener. She's really been there for me over quite a few years now and loves to give back to the community a lot. I think there's lots of different coaches out there who don't practice what they preach, but Fiona's definitely one who does. That's gold when you can see that level of commitment and trust. Yeah, and authenticity Fantastic. I think, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. All right. We've got some quick questions for you today, but as I, I call them quick questions, but you know, they always end up being longer, but yeah. anyway, let's jump in. Best advice from you for people starting out in the industry. Best advice would be if you're starting out in the industry is to learn to love business. Perfect. I love and, that. You know, that can be something that can come from an educational perspective, but also you know, the, the passion that we is obviously the reason that we start in the industry. So whatever field it is, whether it's, a, um, you know, working in interior design or architecture or another creative field, obviously you've got talents and passions associated with that. Find ways of developing a passion for making money. Love it. What's your favorite moment in your career? Best career highlight? Best career highlight? Well, one of them, there's been so many. I mean, on a regular basis, I'm, I'm humbled by the wonderful feedback I get from my coaching clients and people that are in my coaching programs about the wins that they're having. That's mm. just, that completely you know, sometimes brings tears to my eyes because I'm so proud and happy for those people. A recent proud moment would have been the final night on our Milan trip this, this April to the Milan Furniture Fair and this beautiful group of 15 designers, we'd been out for, we'd had a wonderful few days at the fair and this dinner on top of a amazing apartment block, a beautiful five-star restaurant overlooking a, a pool terrace and a beautiful evening. So the, the group had an amazing dinner and then it just spilled on to dancing on the terrace and everyone just getting along so well. 
it was the perfect highlight to a crazy week of inspiration and fun. And I sort of looked around at that group and thought, I've brought this, these people together. I'm incredibly proud for that. I would be too. Definitely core memory, as they say. Yeah. It sounds um, the story or the picture you've painted of that. I'm pretty sure I know where that might be. <laughs> it's a very beautiful, magical place. So yeah. that's incredible. Are you front of house or back of house? I'm a bit of both, but in line with my philosophy about, you know, um, building a business that I can focus on the things that I really want to be able to focus on. I've been working hard over the last few years to build systems and processes that enable me to be more front of house. Um, and I've got an amazing team who are back of house. So Gillian in particular yes. is just an absolute rock for me within my business. And Dave, who is more on the branding and the graphical side of things, making everything look beautiful. I couldn't do it without either of them. So, and then I've got my coaches that work with me. So I've got Alex, who's based in Sydney, who's also a business coach. I've got James Lambrew in Melbourne, who's a business development coach. And I've got Louise Walker, who is the developmental coach we spoke about earlier. All of those people help the back ends work really seamlessly without me, but it's a work in progress. So, you know, it's, it's, it takes time. And, you know, one of the things that I think that systems really enable is for that to work without, you know, depending on me and, and creating bottlenecks for me to have to approve everything as it goes through. So more and more, I'm focusing on front of house. Incredible. I love that's one of the best answers we've ever had. All right. Our last quick question is, do you have any quotes for me? I do in line with we're heading on Monday to go and see the wonderful James Clear. Can't wait. Very oh, excited. Yes. Thank you for reaching out to me to suggest that we should go to that together. Can't wait. Um, so just a recent quote that I had, I've got lots of uh, quotes that I've, I've loved over the years, but James's quote is, everybody wants a gold medal. Few people want to train like an Olympian. And for me, that just talks to the fact that we are really surrounded with a lot of promises for quick fixes, shortcuts, but for successful business owners, it's the long haul, it's sustainability. It's about showing up all the time, or maybe not all the time, but regularly and making sure that like he touches on it and says, do you want the boring and ugly process before the glamorous outcome? And some of what we've been talking about today with coaching, it's not fun. It's, it's hard, hard work. And if you want the successful outcomes, then the hard work needs to be put in, in order to achieve them. That is so much gold for our listeners. Thank you so much, Andrew. That was Pleasure. amazing. Thank you. Thanks, Amanda. See you soon. Bye. Bye.